0: Welcome, everybody, to St. Michael Youth Ministry Podcast. We're back with another Witness Wednesday, and we have with us today Bob McCarty. Bob, thank you so much for being with us. Good to be here. Um, We're super excited to have you with us, and um, I know you, and I've gotten to know you well through um, many national uh, conventions, NCYC, things like that. Um, But if you wouldn't mind telling our folks who are listening just a little bit about who you are.
1: Yeah, uh, I've been in youth ministry my entire career. It it goes all the way back to my last couple years of high school and into college. I can explain all that. But um, I spent my whole time, I've been a parish youth minister. I was in the diocesan office for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. And I went from there to the national office, to the National Federation for Catholic Youth Ministry. And I served there as executive director for 19 years. I I think what's most important, though, is, um, Aaron, is that um, I'm on the parish youth ministry team. I've been on my parish youth ministry team now for, for probably 25 years. And, uh, and I actually chaired the team for quite a long time because I, I really, t- I, my ministry is with young people. And so all those other things are great, but my ministry, my direct ministry with young people is really important to me. And, uh, and probably what else is important to know is uh, I'm a grandfather. I have three, gr- I have three grandkids. They are, they are 12, nine and seven. And I have to tell you, I I stay in youth ministry now because I'm developing my own little youth group, you know, my my grandkids. And so that is really important to me. And I I also think it's fair to mention that I share ministry with my wife, Maggie. Maggie and I have been doing youth ministry together in our parish the the whole time. Uh, This has just been a a critical piece of, of what we do. I think of youth ministry, I think of ministry as kind of my return I, it's something I owe the church. It's it's a it's a I'm giving back of my time uh, to the church and especially in my own parish. So I think that's really important. But I, but I've I've been in all those different roles for youth ministry over all these years.
0: Yeah, and I think I, I personally admire that about you, Bob. And it's one of the things that I've always have kind of looked up to you about is because you've always been there at the parish. You've never gotten away from the kids, and it's not like you're a, a silo in an office of just hey, you know, this is what I'm going to tell folks in the parish to do, but you're in there with junior high kids and high school kids, um, you know, being a part of their lives.
1: Oh. Wow. I, I think it's really, I, Aaron, I have a belief that I think, um, I think young people reinvent themselves every three or four years. And, and sometimes the changes are subtle and sometimes they're huge. And, and, and for instance, I think in the midst of this pandemic, I think this is going to be a very significant shift in young people, and in church, and how we do youth ministry. So um, if you don't have a tolerance for chaos, this is not the right time to be in youth ministry into church. I'm serious about that. This is probably one of the most chaotic times we've experienced in Catholic youth ministry.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and I know from the parish level, we're we're definitely feeling that, and uh, speaking of chaos, I think one of the first, my first memories of you it's coming down from the rafters at a big stadium at NCYC, um, rappelling from the rafters. I can remember thinking to myself, "Who is this guy?"
1: Yeah, it, it's true. It is true. It was a 140-foot rappel off that catwalk at the top of the the arena, uh, dropping onto the stage at NCYC. That was hysterical. But you know, but but I, I do want to say that one of my hobbies is rock climbing, and for quite a long time, I taught rock climbing. So. So I, I had, that was not all that unusual, although dropping into an arena with, you know, 23 or 24,000 young people, uh, that was unusual. So, gotcha. yeah, it was, that was terrific.
0: I can only imagine. Uh, <laughs> I, I know you had mentioned, I know, you know, you and Maggie um, doing ministry together uh, for so long, but what was your call to ministry? How did you get involved um, in youth ministry to begin with?
1: Yeah, I had to I, I I still go back to a high school retreat that I was on as probably a junior in high school, and um, and the thing that caught me in you know junior year you know you're you're 16 years old you're 17 years old whatever that was um, you're struggling with God questions and prayer questions how real is it is faith uh, worth it and I can remember on that retreat Aaron it was so clear that the director of the retreat used this phrase and he said. He said, whether one has known God is tested by one question and one question only. How deeply have you loved? For God is love. He was quoting right out of the first letter of John in the New Testament. I, di- I didn't know that at the time, but but God is love. That, that was so helpful for me as, as a young person trying to image this whole God thing when I realized. That every time, every time we love and every time we experience love, we are are touching God. We are touching the holy, mystery, transcendent. And I kept thinking, wow, I I want to be able to offer this to others. And And then Aaron, it got coupled. Here I am on this retreat and I hear about that God is love and okay, all right, I get that. But the second thing that happened in my high school and in my, into my college career was involved in very serious service opportunities. I'm a Philadelphia boy. I grew up in Philly and uh, being involved in very serious, life-changing service opportunities in the city. Um, that said to me that any relationship with God has to be lived out in a relationship with others. And so that combination of that retreat and, and that those service opportunities, that shaped my college career. And at the end of college, I started looking around and said, I, I want to be able to do this with young people. I, I want to be able to I want to be able to help them name their experience of God and then to live that out in some way. So Aaron, it it started back then. And and at the time, uh, there were there were no parish youth ministers. I mean, we didn't even have that kind of language. And so, but I found ways to serve the church and to work with young people at, at every level. It just seemed to me, and and, my, and it's not just a career. It, it clearly is a vocation. I didn't know it at the time, but, but I have to tell you, I, I've spent my entire vocation now working with the young church, and it's been incredibly rewarding. But I still go back to that retreat and those service opportunities, and it said to me, uh, this is real. This is real and I need to share this in with others.
0: Well, and it almost gave you the the why you do it. You know, here's why why okay. you do it and then the how to do it. You know, it's
1: Oh. Oh, Aaron, it did. It really did. Because because if it doesn't feel real, we're not gonna do this. And so if faith doesn't make a difference, why would people why would people be on that journey? If Jesus doesn't make a difference, why do people want to hear about him? Mm-hmm. And so and I'm convinced that people people don't want to hear about someone they've never encountered. And so so youth ministry then, if we can create opportunities for young people today to encounter Jesus and to see that it makes a difference, that's life-changing. Yeah. That That is, is life-changing. And so that's the business we're in in youth ministry. We're about changing lives. How cool is that? I mean, what, what a great vocation to be part of. We're changing Absolutely. lives.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, and, and mission trips for so many of us in ministry and, and uh, are have been so instrumental in changing who we are. I think because they give us those authentic moments of of the mountaintop, right? Those authentic moments where we can really see God's love in action. I always ask our young people when we're on mission, um, "Where did you see God today?" And I love yeah. that question because everybody finds Him differently uh, throughout the day.
1: I just I just found this quote, and I, I'm holding on to it. Um, the quote says that justice is the public face of love. Justice is the public face of love. And, and so I think about that, that justice is love in action. So if God is love, then justice is living that out. Absolutely. Justice is being God in the flesh for others, especially for the, for the marginalized, for the poor, for the oppressed, for the lonely. Every, every time we engage in works of justice and service, we are, we are reflecting God back to him. Mother Teresa said that service is the rent we pay for living on the earth. And I thought, what a great image. You know, we're given the earth as a gift. We're giving life as a gift. Service is the rent we pay for that gift. And, and so I, I am really a, an advocate for how we combine um, faith and prayer. How do you combine that with action? And so I think there are the two pillars of what it means today uh, to be a follower of Jesus, to be a disciple. How do I how do I enter into a more a, a better relationship with Jesus? How does that happen? How do I live that out in service to others? Yeah, absolutely,
0: absolutely, yeah. And and I think that's why so many of us uh, connect through that serving of one another and through being the church and and really seeing the church alive and well. Um, I think. For me, one of the that's one of the hardest things about this summer is we had to cancel our mission work and our service work here in town. And um, I always love seeing that love put into action. We actually call the program "Love in Action." Um, love in action. Yeah. Um, and so uh, it's it's definitely a big piece of who we are. And one of the things I love about our Catholic faith is that it's not just a suggestion. Like Pope Francis doesn't say, "Oh, it'd be nice if you serve the poor," but you know, Jesus himself said, "Look, go out and do this. You need to do this. It's a part of." Uh, a basic core understanding to be
1: Christian. To be wow! Wow! Mm-hmm. So, um,
0: I know you mentioned the passage from John, uh, but do you have a favorite scripture passage that you usually
1: share with someone? Yeah, it, Aaron, I actually have several, <laughs> but um, but I picked out two. I picked out one from the New Testament, one from the Old Testament. The Old Testament one, it's from the book of Micah. Micah was a, a prophet, and, and the cool thing about prophets is um. They don't set out to be prophets. You know, Micah never intended to be a prophet. He was a farmer. He never intended to be a prophet. Um, but he found himself answering God's call to challenge the authorities. And so but my, my favorite passage in Micah is chapter 6, verse 8. He says, what, are we call, what does God require? And, and it's, it's short and sweet, but it's clear. What does God require? Only this only this, to act justly, love tenderly, walk humbly with your God. And I thought, if if you're looking for a job description for a discipleship, act justly, love tenderly, walk humbly. I thought, wow. And so the first time I was introduced to that passage, I thought, yeah, this, this this gives me a handle with what we're what God is calling us to. Here's what it means to be a, a disciple. But then I, I couple that for me, um, and with the with a New Testament reading from Luke, and and this is part of one of the things I do on the side is I I teach college. Mm-hmm. I teach a couple of uh, youth ministry courses at Catholic University, and I teach at the University of Dallas. And by and the passage I use to frame that that course is from Luke chapter four where Jesus announces the reign of God. Um, It's a little bit more theoretical, but, but in order to understand Jesus, you have to understand his pronouncement of the reign of God. Jesus is saying that the reign of God is here now. And how do we know that? I mean, and that's what the rest of the gospel talks about. How do you know the reign of God is here? And Jesus is saying to each of us, we are are challenged to to be that reign of God for others, to be the reign of God in the flesh. It's not something we wait for. It's not something you wait till you're an adult. We are called at every age to be the reign of God for those around us. And so when I couple that with Micah, to act justly, love tenderly, walk humbly, and Jesus pronouncing in chapter 4 of Luke, He's, he's announcing the reign of God it's here it's within you and you're here to reflect it to others I'm thinking that that to me are the hallmarks of discipleship so those passages are really important to me
0: absolutely absolutely and I think for for all of us whether young or old, I think those those three requirements that are brought up in Micah are just so core to who we are um, as being as as human beings uh, in relationship to God so Wow. Who is, um, thinking back on kind of your faith journey, who is it um, that you kind of looked up to in your faith life? And and what was it about them that made you think they've got it? You know, there's somebody I want to be like.
1: This is fascinating, um, Aaron. The first thing I want to, first person I want to talk about is is my dad. Mm -hmm. My dad, and, and my dad was not a churchgoer. And he didn't talk about faith. I mean, really, it's really, but my dad was a remarkable man because he was all about service to the community. Uh, here's my dad who, who never completed high school, but yet, and in, in where we were growing up, my dad uh, was a volunteer fireman. He, he and his friends created a fire department for our local small town outside of Philadelphia because we didn't have one. My dad was all about community service for his entire life. And I, I saw that. He was my, my example for what it means to be a service to others. He just, he just did it. He did service. And so uh, I, I've often thought of Mother Teresa's quote about service is the rent we pay. My dad, when he, my dad died, um, he didn't know anything. He didn't know anything. He, he was a person of service. And then when I, when I think about, about faith people, um, I think of friends. I have these two friends, um, Jean and Ann. They don't know each other, but Jean and Ann uh, are still close friends of mine and they've been friends of mine for, well, Ann for 40 years and, and, and Jean for 30 years. These, these two women, they have a depth of spirituality. They have such trust in Jesus that is lived out in service the marginalized these women have committed their life to service with the poor with the oppressed and with the marginalized um i i am so impressed by how they live what they do how they make decisions and, and their their service i mean they are the face of god for those people but they're so gentle about it they're so unassuming they're so humble about the service they do for others, that Aaron, I, I tell you, it's, it's, I look at them and I go, wow, uh, I, I wish I had that depth that they have, that trust in Jesus, that this is what we're called to do, and then they just go, and, and they're both parents, in fact, Ann's now a grandparent, she's a uh, elementary school, uh, a Catholic elementary school principal now, but their lives are are committed to the poor, to the marginalized. It's amazing to me. It is, but I count those two as yeah. being so very, very important for me. Yeah, really.
0: I love that question because I—it's—it's it's become very glaringly obvious to me over the past. I think this is like week 17 or 18 of doing Witness Wednesdays, and it's always folks who are living every day-to-day life. You know, it's it, very rarely have we gotten. Oh Pope oh, Francis or Mother Teresa, now those folks are influential and in are folks we look up to, but um personally, I think so often we just need those folks in our lives and i would I would challenge the folks who are listening to think about who it is in their life you know who are those faith leaders for them that kind of um, they look up to and they they want to aspire to be hopefully
1: like you ever, i mean have you ever thought about it this way it's like I, I would I would say to people today as a who do you know who's joyful? Instead of saying, who do you know who's faith-filled? Because that, that, may, we may, that may be a nebulous term. But, yeah. but if I said, who are the people in your life who are genuinely joyful? I suspect what you find is you find people who have made sense out of God and who are living that out in some way. I think that's what joyful people do. One of, one of my other favorite passages from Scripture, you know, it's in John... Um, I think it's John 15, and, and he, Jesus says, um, I tell you this so that my joy can be in you and your joy can be complete. That's huge. I mean, how do you know faith is working? How joyful are you? And so at, at every age, I mean, I, I look at some of the young people in my parish, and I go, that kid has it. You, you yep. can see the joy in that kid. Um, I find it in, in my in my friends. I I look at my my own grandchildren who are really young, but in their moments of joy, I'm thinking they're they're in touch. They're in touch with God, even if they don't call God that, and and they're not even aware of it. And and you know, and I hope they hold on to that joy. That's what I hope. I hope they can hold on to that joy uh, for their life, because I think yeah. it's one of the signs. I think it's one of the clear markers that you have somehow discovered and you've allowed God into your life. How joyful are we?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we've talked a lot about folks, you know, but is there a certain saint, um, or a certain person of faith that you haven't met that you look up to?
1: Yeah, I, I wish, um, I would have liked to have met uh, St. Oscar Romero from El Salvador. Um, Way back, I I went to El Salvador in the midst of their civil war. If our if our uh, viewers don't know the history, Salvador was in a in the middle of a, a serious civil war where people were killing each other continually between the government and the peasants. And Romero is the bishop of San Salvador and uh, the archbishop, and he came out in favor of the poor and he preached every day about justice and and and, and in favor of the marginalized. And, he was against oppression, and, um, and he winds up being murdered because of his preaching. He's, he's actually shot during mass, um, and he was shot and killed. I, I sat in his chapel, and Aaron, I, I tell you, when you talk about holy ground, sitting in Romero's chapel, and, and the way that he was killed, uh, it's a small chapel, and the car pulled up right outside the chapel, and they had a, a clear view right down the aisle to the altar, and the rifleman just leaned out the window with the right and, and shot and killed Romero. So I sat in his chapel. I I I did a pilgrimage to his tomb. I saw his bedroom where he has his blood-stained uh, vestments were still there. Romero's commitment to the poor. He was a man of great of great joy, a man of great faith, and a man of great courage. Um, and could continue. I would. I would have liked to have known him. I've known about him. I've seen it. That is somebody I think I would have liked to have met. I would have liked to have heard. I would like to have heard his vision uh in his words. Yeah. So I hold on to that one. I do. I hold on to Oscar Romero.
0: Yeah. He's, he's one of my favorites. And I, I love one of my favorite parts about his story is the fact that when they put him in place, they thought, here's a guy that's going to just be a yes man, right? Somebody that okay. we can just, tell what to do. And, and God said, mm, no, I don't think so. Um, I've got, got good good things, great things in store for him. Um, wow. And he began to, to speak out and um, yeah, he's, he's one that I would love to have just gotten to sit down and have pizza with and talk, you know, uh, maybe one day uh, if I make it up upstairs, I will be that's but
1: but isn't isn't Pope Francis kind of like that? I mean, wouldn't you just love to go have dinner with Pope Francis? Oh my god! Let's 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 just talk. I mean, the fact when Francis describes the church as a field hospital, what a powerful image. Because yeah. I'm sometimes afraid that people think of church as a uh, as a bunker. You know, that church is supposed to protect us from the world. That's not Francis' image. Francis says. The church is a field hospital. We are supposed to go out and engage the world. Yep. Church isn't supposed to protect us. It's supposed to prepare us. I love that image of church, that we would go out because, because that's what justice and service is. You yep. know, Youth ministry is not about bringing young people just to our parish. It's about preparing them to go out and change the world. It's a very different image. I, I think Francis, I think he's so bold about that that we're supposed to go to the margins, go to the margins. That that's where Jesus would be, that's where we're supposed to be. I'm thinking, all right, I'm I'm there. Got me convinced.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, I would love to be able to sit and pick his brain sometime, just to be in his presence, I think. Um, But uh, speaking of young people and the challenge kind of Pope Francis has given us, but what is one thing? Uh, and I'm sure you have many. But What is one, uh, one or two things that you would want young people to know, being around and working with young people uh, for as long as you have? What is something that you're like, I really
1: want young people to remember this? Yeah, I, I think there's two parts to this for me. One is that uh, I know this sounds a little bit trite, um, but Jesus is a game changer. I, I just, I think we just got to remember that. Jesus, when Jesus calls us into discipleship and Jesus calls us to be to be members of the reign of God, that's a game changer that that is calling us to live differently. And so and I think that's important to know that um, I, I am really weary of a um, of a, a saccharine artificial sweetener Jesus. Jesus suffers and dies. Jesus challenged people. Jesus was prophetic. Jesus irritated people because Jesus was continually about the will of the Father. We're called to be the same. So Jesus is a game changer, and the decision to follow Jesus should never be taken lightly that it's gotta be given serious consideration because it changes your life when you decide to do that. And then the second part, and this is right out of my confirmation class. I teach confirmation. These are all high school students who in my confirmation class, the one thing they can all, the one thing they learn in the whole class, the whole course, the one thing they learn, faith is a journey, not a destination. I think it's really important for our young people and for our adults to know, that it, faith is a journey that you never finish. That is, there's no, it's not like there's an end point here where oh now I've got it because every time you think you've got it, you lose it again. And so I, I want young people to know that faith is a journey that is complete. It, it includes, it includes questions and doubts. It includes fear, includes all that, but it also includes uh, grace. It includes answers, it includes companions, that there's these other elements are part of the journey. Uh, right now, in the midst of the chaos of this epidemic of, uh, of the of COVID-19, um, this, this faith journey includes confusion, chaos, sickness, death, includes all of that. It includes suffering, but in the midst of all of that, it includes grace, it includes opportunities for new life it includes seeds of new creation it includes people who are who are um, who are who are incredibly generous to others people are serving others it's all the heroes that we keep talking about who continue on so that's my sense of this I, i want people to know it's a journey not a destination it has its ups and downs but the journey is worth it because I think Jesus is a game changer. I do.
0: Absolutely. Amen. Um, so, Speaking of that, what is giving you hope right now in the midst of this this pandemic and lock, being locked down and all that good stuff? What is giving you hope?
1: I think it's really, well, first off, Aaron, I think it's really important to remember hope is the virtue that says the future can work. Mm-hmm. See, that's what hope is. Hope is that virtue that says, Tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, it can work. That that the the pain and the suffering of right now doesn't win. We believe as Catholic Christians, the resurrection wins. And right now, it may feel like we're living like in Good Friday. You know, we may feel like we're living in a moment of crucifixion, but hope says Easter Sunday is coming. Resurrection is coming. Uh, to to put it in my language, um, I. I I have hope because I think Jesus wins. I think that ha- the reign of God wins. And so in the midst of the, the pandemic, um, God is still active in the world. In the midst of the racism and the violence in our country right now, God is still active in the world. Jesus is present. Jesus, I think Jesus wins. And I think we have to hold on to that. I really do. And so I get great hope from the, from the scripture stories. Death itself couldn't overcome Jesus. And so if death doesn't win, none of this other stuff can win. And so I think resurrection wins. And I choose to live that way. I do. I choose to live that way. And as a resurrection person, that gives me hope. That gives me great hope.
0: Absolutely. Amen. Yeah, I, I think sometimes we forget that the joy of Easter Sunday is so joyous because of what happened on Good Friday. You know, we forget that there is this pain that comes out of Um, or or that is the catalyst for this amazing joy that happened. Um, We just want to skip, like you said, the the saccharine, the sweet Jesus, right? The good stuff. Um, We forget forget about that pain.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, Bob, thank you so much for joining us for uh, Witness Wednesday. Thank you for those who are listening. Um, We will be back next week with another Witness Wednesday, along with our five-minute gospel series. Um, And we're working on also getting our Bible studies Uh, and some other great resources up. So thank you guys for listening, Bob. Thanks again for joining us. And we'll we'll see everybody later. Hope everybody has a great week.
1: Thank you. Thanks very much.
0: Thank you.